0: Steve.
1: And this is Lisa.
0: And we're coming back with part two of our Vietnam War epic. Um, We last left off talking about um, the Viet Cong and their different styles of fighting the American troops and how scary but primitive and confusing and frustrating they were for American troops. Um, Why we are cutting uh, from that to the My Lai Massacre, which we are about to take you into, uh, will make sense when we get to the end of it. And also, poor Robert Duvall. We can't get your stuff right. We had a sound problem last time. And it's Robert Duvall, not Robert Redford. Excuse me for the mistake you're about to hear. Thanks. Uh, do you want to describe what happened in the Milly massacre?
1: Ooh, I don't. I don't remember all the details. I just know that it was a horrific massacre of many innocent civilians, um, and I feel like there was some kind of rogue battle involved. But sorry, yeah, no. Go ahead.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, basically, because of everything we just described, all these young men who were drafted and terrified didn't know who they're killing, they didn't know who the enemy was and who their allies were.
1: Mm.
0: They stumbled upon a village of Mylay, how do you say it? Mylay. Mylay. And were just so, like, shell-shocked, essentially, that they started just murdering a bunch of women, children, and legitimately babies. Uh, It was an American... Um, helicopter pilot actually flew over and saw it happening, and like eventually s- stopped it before it could get like totally bad. Yeah. But yeah, your point to it is is that this didn't just happen in Mili. No, that was particularly famous,
1: right? Because I mean, how do these things become famous? Right? I mean, like the right person is there that gives the right information, so. right? The reality is that was happening in villages
0: all over. Yeah, right, sad. You
1: know. It's it's horrific, yeah. but it's also, you know, it's not, sadly, it's not that surprising based on what you've described, right? Is that like we had these soldiers there that were completely and totally paranoid. They did not know what their enemy was and who their friend was. Um, and it was very traumatic. Yeah.
0: yeah. We cannot understate enough that a lot of these guys are draftees, which we're going to get to. Yeah. These are not. Career no. lifetime soldiers, no. no, um, fighting in these in these conditions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a different side note. Let's talk American fighting tactics because there's a couple of things that were like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't want to say totally unique to Vietnam, but certainly quite unique.
1: Yep.
0: Um. Number one is napalm, from that famous quote. Yeah. Um, something that the United States was doing. We were flying fighter jets over these dense jungles. Mm -hmm. Because Vietnam was so dense of jungles, it was like we kept getting ambushed. We couldn't see anyone. We would use airstrikes of napalm. And what napalm was is a thick, jellied gasoline. And they would drop it and set it on fire. And it would wipe out acres and acres of forests and kill everyone inside. So that's what that crazy soldier played by Robert Redford was saying at the beginning of the podcast. It's like, yeah, yeah. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. In the morning. Yeah. It's like he's talking about like destroying so much shit in like a matter of seconds. Yeah, it's awful. Um, yeah, <clears throat> very famous photo. Um, young Vietnamese woman, baby, you know, she's like three running out of a the village that just got napalm and she's totally naked. Yeah. The reason she's naked is because the napalm burned her clothes off, and yeah. she got like severe burns. Yeah. Um,
1: terrible, it's disgusting chemical
0: warfare. Yeah, I believe napalm is against like the laws of warfare now. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: against international humanita- humanitarian law. Yeah, can't use that chemical warfare.
0: Uh, the other thing that I believe has also been banned is something called Agent Orange. Do you remember what Agent Agent Orange? That's what I said, agent, right? Oh,
1: okay. So I'm like, never yeah. okay. <laughs> Mandarin. Um
0: Mandarin. No, the agent... I'm still saying it weird. Agent Orange. There you go. What did Agent Orange do? Do you remember, Lisa? Ooh.
1: Um. I mean, I think it caused severe deformities.
0: Do you know why the Americans were using it?
1: Um, because it was effective in killing people it wasn't
0: a, to kill people actually agent orange was a defoliate so you would fly over the jungles and drop agent orange and the leaves would fall off of the trees
1: oh my god yes oh my god wow i've forgotten a lot Go
0: yeah ahead. so they could not um see the dudes hiding in the trees yeah like they, they, they took were now hiding
1: places yeah that was their big advantage was hiding in the jungle.
0: Right. Totally unsurprisingly, turns out something that instantly took leaves off trees. Yes, was also very dangerous. Yeah,
1: very like all kinds of different. Yeah, mutations. Yeah, you still see that today, sadly.
0: Yeah. Um, And then finally, so we were using that throughout the war. The other one tactic I want to talk about is something called rolling thunder, or shock and awe. Yeah. uh, Which is what Nixon tried to do. So it's
1: such a like. Machismo American name, Rolling Thunder,
0: shock. Yeah. I mean, jeez. In Nixon's defense, though, he was removing troops from Vietnam, and he was trying to find ways to win the war without there being as many troops and as much death. So, quite literally, shock and awe was, like, massive amounts of fire pilots, like, flying over jungles yeah. and using these bombs and, like, Literally to shock them and all them into surrendering. Yes. But as we've alluded to many times, the Vietnamese had been... Yeah,
1: there was no option but to win. There was yeah. no option.
0: To shock and all was a joke to them. Just like, yeah,
1: well, there was just literally yeah. nothing that could have been done. Yeah. Because there was nothing left, like, not to fight for. Yeah. That's
0: true. Alright, sorry. That was actually an unplanned pause. Uh, I was getting a little riled up. And uh, was talking really loudly and screaming and stuff. And we have some Airbnb guests on some lower floors in our studio that Lisa was getting concerned
1: about because it's like 1130 at night right now. Yeah, so we have relocated into what is hopefully a more insulated, sound insulated area.
0: Yeah, but this house is um, older than the country of Vietnam, so they might actually be able to hear us still. <laughs> we don't really know.
1: It's uh, <laughs> I can't decide if it's good or offensive, <laughs> it was, uh, but isn't that, I guess, good, some good jokes are a bit offensive, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean,
0: okay. don't be such a snowflake, <laughs> What were we talking about? Shock and awe, but I feel like we finished shock and awe. Yeah, we pretty much finished shock and awe. All right. So, that pretty much sums up the type of fighting that I wanted to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, those were the most unique parts of the Vietnam War, in terms of, like, the actual fighting that was going down. Right? Okay, yeah. Let's talk about the home front, Lisa.
1: Yeah.
0: So part of my young fascination with the Vietnam War is because it was the 60s and 70s, which was pretty groovy going on back at
1: home, right? I mean, yeah, honestly, your voice is straight out of the 70s, (laughs) straight out of it.
0: It's really more 60s, though.
1: Is it?
0: The 60s were like the real hippie time, not the 70s.
1: Okay, 60s boy it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anyway, uh, Lisa, mm-hmm. was the Vietnam War popular back at home?
1: It was not.
0: It was a
1: huge source of tension at home.
0: Right. Do you know the real reason why Vietnam was so unpopular?
1: Ooh. Um, well... I think there's probably a couple answers to that, but one thing that comes to mind is that it was televised. It was the first war that was televised.
0: Ding, ding, ding. Oh, okay, good. So, interrupt.
1: you know, no, I mean, I mean, it's basically that, right? I mean, it was the first time that people at home were actually seeing what it looks like to invade a country, and it's it's horrific. I mean, all war is horrific. Um, sadly, sometimes that needs to be shown to really be understood. Um, so, yeah, so people were v- very aware and very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: So quick, televised war history.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: World War One. You started if you wanted to see clips of World War One, you could go see that in the movies before they showed in the movies. You they'd give you updates on World War One. Mm-hmm. World War Two. We had TVs. They weren't as popular. Mm-hmm. But the difference here was is that you were like it was very selective what you were being shown. It was shown.
1: close to propaganda.
0: I wouldn't say it was mm-hmm. close. To it, was propagand- it was propaganda. Propaganda. <laughs> it was propaganda. Yeah. 70s oh. everyone has a TV yeah. there's competition to put out interesting news
1: and there's real journalists
0: there's real accompanying real real
1: armies right
0: yeah. so people saw what war looks like yeah. general sherman during the civil war said war is hell yeah. right and that was true people were seeing that in their living rooms every night before or during cuz the 70s and 60s and 70s was a big TV dinner eating in front of the TV mm-hmm. time um, they were literally eating their dinners watching people getting shot and explosions and the napalmings and the children running out of villages yeah and it was extremely extremely effective at at starting a anti-war movement yeah so you saw the counterculture of beatniks and then became hippies yes. okay not they were pretty alternative to begin with
1: mm-hmm.
0: then when you throw in the Vietnam war into it mm-hmm. you see this massive protest
1: yeah yeah I, anti- yeah, was,
0: well, I have to tell you about something good. very famous I'm hoping that people can visualize this and if they can't then I can I can definitely put this on our Twitter <laughs> which is
1: Twitter to the rescue.
0: At Lincoln Blog Cabin, no iron cabin. <laughs> Do you know the picture of that man being it won a Nobel Prize? He's a gun to his head, he's yes. tied up, and someone shoots him in the head. Yes. So that video of that guy doing that happened on national news in America. And what mm. it showed was some dude ripping some guy out of a house, tied him up, and then just randomly frantically shot him in the head. Yeah. Have you seen this footage? Yes,
1: yes. Absolutely. So the guy
0: who was shot? was actually a war criminal and a total piece of shit.
1: I remember this was like a big kind of irony because of yeah. all the horrific things going on, he probably was more deserving of them yeah. than most. Of all the people that deserve <laughs> yeah. to
0: be shot in the head in yes. Vietnam, that guy was probably one of them. Yeah. But we didn't have that context in America. Mm-hmm. We were just like, oh my God, they're literally shooting unarmed, tied up prisoners in Vietnam. It's insane over there. Yeah. They're like just animals. Right. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam War produced some totally crunchy tunes, bro. (laughs) Like all those hippies were making awesome tunes. Yeah. There's like
1: Also, ironically, some associated with being extremely patriotic. Yes. (laughs) When Um, really they were kind of railing against the country as it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have to talk about Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) The song Born in the USA. Yeah is an anti-American, anti-Vietnam, anti-war song. I know. That is played, like, every time, like, some uber-fucking, like, pro-American <laughs> wants to do anything. Born in the <laughs> U.S. hell.
1: And just like, that song is
0: anti-American. So is
1: <laughs> it? I remember when I first learned that, my head exploded. Oh, yeah. yeah because, I mean, you grow up on that shit. Yeah. And you think that that is, like, you know, if there's anything that, that is, like, pro-being-American, it's that, you know? Right. Mm. And you
0: can make the argument that...
1: Well, Descent is still American.
0: It's it's also art, right? And, like, art yeah. can be interpreted in different ways. It's true. And if, if that song is a pro-American song to you, then it's a pro-American song. Yeah,
1: it's
0: true. But that doesn't mean we can't laugh at the intention.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's <laughs> hilarious. Right, so... It is very important to know that the Vietnam War was extremely unpopular. Yeah. It was the longest war until Afghanistan recently overtook it. Yeah. Um, it, was, by, it was so by long. Far. So there's a reason, like, a war being long is not necessarily indicative of, like, deaths or intensity. Although like, there
1: was a lot of deaths.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. More Americans um, died in Vietnam than I believe the Civil War. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, now... There is something to know that, like World War II, was something called total war, yeah. and you can only have total wars for a couple of years. Like it's so it's so intense in right. every aspect of life is is war. Right. Where Vietnam, it wasn't total war. It was so drawn out.
1: It was, although compared to Afghanistan,
0: it was much more intense.
1: It was in absolutely. terms of boots on the ground and the effect on and have, casualties. And... You
0: pretty much have to have either be a soldier or be closely related to a soldier to be involved in the war in Afghanistan. Right. Where Vietnam was very much right. part of the...
1: Right. So it still was much more The intense. zeitgeist, so, yeah. 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 But anyways, yes. So, But it did. It dragged on for a while, and it was not that total war mentality. hmm Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so it was obviously very un- unpopular and was, was, was very protested. And yes. I think where you... Americans protest, mm-hmm. and I love it. You know, fight the power, right? That's that, that's American thing to do. Yep. But it got there's certain lines start being drawn in the sand, right? Where these draftees, this is the last time we had a draft, they get drafted. Mm-hmm. They have
1: to go to war, unless they have bone spurs,
0: right? Sure. Sorry. Or um, flat feet. Mm-hmm. You yep. have to have a certain curvature in your foot to be able to go to war. Mm. Um so you know if you go you get drafted because you had to you serve you know 2 years in Vietnam you come back
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the response only one year. Yeah. Mm-mm. But the response was like fuck you baby killer from all these hippies. Yeah. And it's like come on like there's Oh, no, know, I know. Be mad. If you hate the war, be mad at the government and go protest in D.C. Yes. But, like, when you got dudes coming back from fighting after being drafted mm-hmm. and, like, you're going back to your home in Kansas and they're saying, mm-hmm. fuck you, baby killer or whatever, There's there's got to be a line there, right?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. And I actually think that that message was really, at least in my experience, passed down to our generation from the previous. And I remember... That the one big regret from like a lot of people of how the Vietnam War played out on the home front was the terrible reception to the soldiers that came back and how, you know, a kind of a reflection on how that was just not right. Um, But you know what I actually find even more interesting about the protests at home is the division. Because I think a lot of people focus on the fact and maybe, I don't know, this is kind of just the, the nature of the fact that like looking back on the war, it was so terrible everyone's focused on the fact that there was a lot of dissent at home. But there were also plenty of people that were in support of the war. And it often, at least from the experience of student protesters, really fell along these fault lines between kind of like the local blue collar population and then the student body. And so I went to University of Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin was like almost ground zero for the Vietnam War protest, maybe number two in terms uh, I think Berkeley might have been ahead of us, but I mean, huge, huge things happened, including like a massive protest of Dow Chemical Um, and in Madison a lot of students, and I'm not sure what caused this trend, but for decades came from the East Coast and so they had more money and they just had a different point of view in general, They very little in common with the local population in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, and when they were having these protests, it was the police that were having to kind of, you know, enforce these these rules and you know jail them or something like that. And the police are all blue collar and they're all from the area and had very personal feelings against these student protesters and really felt as though they were un American and that they didn't under that they were out of touch. I mean, similar themes that you hear about today. Um, and so there, a lot of this confrontations and like how, why these things got out of hand was because the police that were supposed to be, you know, kind of these neutral kind of parties to just keep the peace were actually taking out their frustrations on them. Sorry, that was a long ramble, but I, I, that part of the war was really interesting to me. And I had no idea, like, I feel like history like kind of glazes over the fact that like there was a whole party that was like against whatever change was occurring that everyone kind of, clings to you know what i mean
0: so yeah so your point is is that like we know that and like there's a bunch of anti-war protests but there was plenty of people that were in full support of the war.
1: and there was also and it wasn't just like a oh we disagree we agree to disagree it was like there was anger there was real anger i mean this is america this is this is america (laughs) um yeah i think uh, you know i think we always love to say whatever period we're in this is like the most tension and like but there it always i think it just it's written out. You can't always write a feeling, you know? But, like, there was serious, serious division over the war.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you remember that CSN song? See? Ten soldiers and Nixon coming. We're finally
1: on our own. Does summer I right hear the calling <laughs> for dead in Ohio. That was a lovely rendition. Dude,
0: I crushed that, dude. You did.
1: Dude, new totally, yeah.
0: I'm, <laughs> any bands out there looking for a new lead singer? I say CSN because I don't think Neil Young was in the band. So there's CSN and there's CSNY, and it's when they add Neil Young. But I don't think that Neil Young,
1: they, damn it, no. He's got to be. I don't know. Wrong person to ask. Yeah, I don't know.
0: But yeah, that song, do you know what that song is about?
1: Uh, something about Nixon, and which would imply it has some, and we're talking about the Vietnam War. so. Yeah,
0: 10 soldiers in Nixon calling. T I N not the number right like fake soldiers the mm. national guard was called into ohio university mm. no it wasn't ohio it was kent state sorry
1: kent state isn't ohio though
0: yeah right <laughs> thanks, thanks for the support yeah
1: can't <laughs> read can't write kent state <laughs> um that's mean we only heard that from people that went there yes they taught that us is that. Like, <laughs> our, our dear
0: friend Allie taught us that. okay so we're not just being dicks <laughs>
1: we're not, um,
0: we're not. But yeah, so that is a very famous song. It is about a protest that occurred at Kent State where yes. the National Guard was sent in. And they were called 10 soldiers, like fake soldiers, because all the real ones were fighting in Vietnam. Yeah. So they sent these dudes over to Kent who were protesting the war. And like chaos happens. And like some like, you know, you hear one bang. Someone starts shooting. And then the other National Guard starts shooting. And then four totally unarmed, peaceful college students were shot and killed at Kent State all over the Vietnam War. Yeah.
1: No, it's awful.
0: It's awful. Absolutely. Um, are we missing anything here that we need to talk about in terms of the war at home? I think... Oh, oh sorry. Did you, no, I just the draft. Let's talk about the draft for a second. Yeah. Um, this is the last time we have a draft, and I would submit it might be the, the overall last time we have a draft because it was
1: horribly unpopular. You mean you're? Are you suggesting that you think we will never have a draft ever again? I am. I mean, I ho- hope to God you're right. <laughs> well, I think warfare has changed a lot. Uh, yeah. Right. I uh, yes, absolutely. I, I You know, like we fight our
0: wars with dudes sitting in Minnesota, driving like flying drones, thousands of miles away. Like we don't really have hundreds of thousand boots on the ground anymore. And let's hope we don't have to anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree with all those things. Um, um, but yes so yeah the hopefully the last draft of American history. Should we talk be. about
0: how drafts work a little bit? Do you know how drafts work?
1: Ooh, I can tell you what I do know of them. Right, I don't okay. I would never think I know how they work. But um so the the context I was I was told about it in was from my professor that taught this Vietnam War course and he was so he was so interesting and knowledgeable. And um he he was also of the age that he could have been drafted to the Vietnam war and he talked about how your birthday was assigned a number and then, or or maybe they would just, they would call it out by birthday. And, um, and so they would just call every single date and he his story is crazy sorry i have to tell this cuz it's nuts so everyone when they they would call these out and obviously every young man that was you know eligible for the draft was huddled around the radio listening to these call outs and you know it goes on for a while they read them slowly um and not all at once and so they go through it and they get to the 365th date and he's listening and they read it and it's not his birthday. And so then he starts freaking out because this whole time, you know, he builds this all up, like, that, that he hasn't heard his, his birth date. And then this whole time he's questioning everything, like, that he missed it. And then they turn out to call a 366th date because of the leap year. Because there's one more day and it was his birthday. He was literally the last birthday called in the draft. And then I think what they'll do is they'll call up the different rounds so they'll like you'll be like if you were one of the first ones listed you know you're gonna get called up soon but like in theory you could get called up up to the last one right just depending how long the war goes on
0: right so you you are excited if your your birthday's last
1: oh my god yeah Yeah, yeah, obviously so then you dedicate your life to being a scholar about it instead (laughs) so
0: so that is how the draft worked we did in world war ii we did in vietnam
1: Mm.
0: um And the draftees was a big thing. It was a big deal if you were fighting with volunteers and, like, career guys versus fighting with the draftees. Mm -hmm. And the whole spillover from, like, the 60s, 70s drug scene, it transitioned into Vietnam.
1: Ooh, that is not the story I heard. What do you mean? The story I heard was that the drug scene in Vietnam was brought back to the United States.
0: So I would argue that... The heroin and opioid scene was brought
1: back. Yes, absolutely.
0: However, the whole psychedelic drug scene uh, was brought America to Vietnam. Uh, like they were like smuggling acid and pot and shit over to Vietnam. Okay, However, they're and then coming we expect expo- with heroin. the hard stuff. Okay. Yeah, the okay. opioids and stuff. Ah, oh, okay. Um, okay obviously, if yeah. you are a um, career soldier type, hmm you don't want to be stuck in a foxhole with a draftee who like dropped acid four hours before you ended up in that foxhole with him.
1: No, probably not.
0: Um, so that was causing issues too. Mm-hmm. Again, as we said, like the Milly massacre was a big deal because it was it was a bunch of draftees that were had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, you know, exactly. um, terrified, you know, twenty year olds and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think we've made that point, right? Yeah. Should we talk about sort of the decline of the war? and? The...
1: Oh, wait. Can we do one more thing on the draft? Sure. Um, I remember learning another thing about um, academic exemptions. And at some point, they instituted, because there's all these kinds of different ways you could technically get out of the draft. And um, the, the biggest one was this academic thing. And so first, I think it was that if you were enrolled in academia, you didn't have to go. But then they didn't have enough people. And so then they started having to tap into people, even if they were going to college. And then I think the cutoff with that was that if you had good grades, you got to stay home. But if you weren't doing well, then you were sent abroad to fight. So there were actual universities that undertook protests against this policy because they felt as though they... they, they were so against the idea that that giving out a grade would mean like this difference between life and death um and so i think all of stanford and all of harvard and like some of big schools there are years where they gave out all a's to all of their students in a form of protest um which probably just meant that more people from like you know princeton had to go but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean those, but those idiot do <laughs> kids um but yeah it was it was i it was crazy um it was really i'm so I'm sure a very stressful time anyways mm-hmm. that's my last thing on the draft, but we can okay. go on
0: that's a fun tidbit mm-hmm. um i think that adds to it um yeah, I think we're um we should sort of like get to the decline of troops, okay, okay, so eventually Nixon mm-hmm. is elected over l. b j yes okay. Well, sorry, that's not true. Yeah, it was the yeah. one in between. Them? LBJ. No, 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 no. Um, LBJ did his two years after JFK, and then he did four years, and then he was done.
1: Okay, and then it went right to him? Then it went to Nixon. All right, so. Okay. It was Eisenhower before JFK? Yes. Okay, that's the other person I had in my mind. So Eisenhower had a little teeny bit to do with Vietnam, right? Cause remember Absolutely, Lee because
0: 1955... Yeah. Um Eisenhower was the president and he was the one with like sort of dealing with the CIA and putting DM in charge.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So he goes Eisenhower, JFK, LBJ, Nixon.
0: Yes. Okay. Now Nixon
1: mm-hmm.
0: we went from, hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids are you gonna kill today? Yeah. To a guy who knew that he needed to fight for like a sort of popularity. He won the election mm-hmm. but he wasn't a very likable dude. Um, <laughs> no. he not going for him. And he wanted to end the Vietnam War. It was a very unpopular war we talked about, and he wanted to get rid of it, so he tried to do that shock and all shit that we talked about. Yeah. It didn't work. He did some other fucked up
1: shit, which he is... He a lot of really bad stuff. Bombing the hell out of Cambodia. Yeah, it's another thing that people really don't know about Vietnam is yeah. that we didn't just attack Vietnam. We annihilated Cambodia and Laos, and they are still to this day... Dealing with the consequences of it. Yes.
0: Now, I I don't know if I should be defending this, or, like, I mean, it's war, so I don't know what to say about it, but, like, the reason he was doing that is because of the Ho Chi Minh Trail.
1: Yes, because it went beyond the borders of Vietnam, and the,
0: yeah. We need to explain what the Ho Chi Minh Trail is. Yeah,
1: okay, go ahead.
0: So, the Ho Chi Minh Trail was Ho Chi Minh was having his soldiers march through Laos and Cambodia with... With supply lines, yeah. cannons and weapons and all sorts of shit. Yeah, so supply chain. Right. Um, so we just started bombing it. But by bombing it, we were bombing innocent
1: Laotian people and Cambodians. And it was like... It was extremely indiscriminate and belligerent. And it went on for far too long. It was very bad. Very bad. But anyways. He's trying to win a popularity contest at home. He's trying to end the war.
0: Eventually, nineteen seventy three happens,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in nineteen seventy three, basically the writing is on the wall. Mm-hmm. The war is probably not winnable. Yeah. So before South Vietnam collapses,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we are going to withdraw.
1: Right. Because, but what are you suggesting here, for just for the audience, that it's imminent that. They are going to collapse.
0: I am suggesting that it almost in like a saving face move, the United States is going to withdraw before we officially
1: lose. And by officially losing, that means that the South surrenders to the North.
0: Yes. So our official goal of going to Vietnam
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, was to stop the spread of communism. Okay, right. in in their minds, the North had already turned communist, so we were trying to stop the South from becoming communist. Yes. Okay, so we would drew, when we withdrew, technically, okay. all right, We achieved that goal. Right.
1: We were like, all right, it's how we want it to be yeah. at this very moment in time.
0: Yeah. yeah. And nationalistic people will tell you we didn't lose that war. Um, maybe <laughs> best case scenario was a draw.
1: Hmm.
0: But it was a very short period of time, and I'm not even going to try to guess what period of time it was, but very, very shortly after we withdrew from Vietnam,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Southern Vietnam collapsed to the Viet Men and the Viet Cong,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Vietnam today is still self-proclaimed communist. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely is. Self-communist.
0: Well, they're not pure Marxist communists, but we'll we'll get into that in a different episode.
1: Yes, no, I do look forward to that, because as we've <laughs> talked about, there are very few, if any... Pure Marxist There's communist. There's never been days.
0: a pure Marxist yeah. communist.
1: Day. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, no, the, the current Vietnamese government is really interesting. It is yeah. a little bit restrictive. <laughs> yes. It, it, um, but yeah, I mean, they function.
0: They no function. No one's dying anymore. Along <laughs> with a lot of elements of capitalism, for sure. Yeah. Um, but that was the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we we pretty much lost. Oh, that we war. lost. We lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you've never seen it before, a great thing to check out um, is footage of what was going on when we pulled out in Vietnam. People were celebrating, um, pushing helicopters off of ships to fit more people on them. Um, but there was also chaos of like southern Vietnamese people, like moms, like handing their babies to American soldiers that were being flown out of saigon on helicopters because they didn't want their babies to be um you know savaged by the invading armies and stuff like that
1: right that's Uh, why we have a lot of southern vietnamese in america
0: fun fact um we uh there's four different locations of these around the united states they're called eden centers Mm -hmm. they're basically little vietnams that we set up for refugees of the vietnam war we took in like thousands of them after the war Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is in Falls Church, Virginia, where your boy is from.
1: Yeah, Steve's hometown. Yeah. And yeah. We,
0: we have been to the Eden Center.
1: We love the Eden Center. The Eden
0: Center's great. Yeah. Incredible baa-mean sandwiches. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, that's,
1: yeah. Some Very some authentic Vietnamese fun. stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time.
0: Um, um, the other thing, just a couple of little fun buzzwords. 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 Buzzwords, buzz trivia, I don't know. <laughs> Um,
1: yeah, same, same.
0: Vietnam War, I believe, is the first time that white and black people fought together in the same platoons. Okay. It might have occurred in the Korea, Korean War, but it was few and far between. Mm-hmm. And then it was like all in diverse platoons
1: um, in Vietnam. Yeah, although I also, another part of the draft, um, sadly and sadly unsurprisingly, also heavily skewed towards African Americans. Oh. oh, the draft itself. Yeah, because the
0: of the, the ways to get out of it. Yeah. were largely applied to yep. white individuals. Yeah. Okay,
1: um,
0: God, you're you're in love with the draft.
1: Well, it was yeah. just an interesting unit. I mean, it was <laughs> you know again, it's like hopefully the last time it will happen in the states, and it, it is really interesting. And to, I mean, it's it's not very far removed. I mean, we most of us have parents that mm-hmm. like we were just uh, you know alive around that time that they could have gotten drafted themselves another do you have any other buzz
0: trivia last thing I'm going to say mm-hmm. and I'm only saying this because Greg specifically asked me to talk about it and I completely forgot to work it into the narrative okay. remember when you talked about president DM took over in 1955 and was a puppet government in the United States yes so we actually assassinated him yes I
1: actually
0: knew that yeah yeah <laughs> I think Classic. it was uh, 1963 as well actually I could be wrong on that date but it's early 60s um Put him in power, and then we assassinated him. Yeah, well, he
1: turned out they loved him at first, and they realized he was a crazy person, and yeah.
0: Um, So we actually had another southern Vietnamese president take power in the early 60s, which is also a contributing factor to LBJ being like, oh, shit, dude, we need more troops there. Um, is because yes. we, it was, it's not a good look to have your puppet even changing sides and, like, being a bit of a disappointment.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, I remember that having actually played a really big role in some of our, in the escalation of the war. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, um, I think we should sign off. This has been a bit of a marathon. Okay. Um, and maybe if we think of uh, anything else we need to add in, we'll have to do it on another time. But, like, we've been at it for a while. Yeah, we've been at it for a while. I think it's good. Yeah, I think we've got to say
1: goodnight.
0: Um, After this, I plan on fully ripping off Apocalypse Now and playing some doors after we do our sign (laughs) just for saying. Okay, um, I'll
1: uh, keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, my name is Steve, and uh, I was a history teacher.
1: And my name's Lisa, and I married him.